Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you pets the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode is sponsored by Builder.io, visually build on your tech stack. Welcome back, perfect peeps. Sorry, we like never know who's going to talk and we're always like, what is happening? So we're kind of a mess this morning, but how is everyone doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's Friday. I'm looking forward to the weekend. I'm doing great. Yeah, I just uh, I actually just got back from an offsite with the chromatic team and we just, you know, we're having a ton of fun in Hollywood and, you know, eating ridiculous food. It was so oh, much fun. And so, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. And now I'm home and it's Friday. Like I said, weekend's coming up. I'm so ready, ready to travel again. I can't yes. wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have, we have a schedule offsite coming up uh, in May. Cool. So looking forward to it. Nice. Oh, that sounds so much fun. So why, why are everyone's here? Uh, we're talking about building and maintaining design systems. And we have Michael Chan. Well, what? You, like, tell us a little bit more about yourself and kind of give a, a brief bio before we yeah. dive into it. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. So uh, my name is Michael Chan. Uh, I go by Chan or Chantastic or, you know, whatever. Chantastic most places on the Internet. Um, and then, yeah, I used to used to hopefully again sometime in the near future do a podcast called React Podcast where I talked with a bunch of awesome folks about how to make uh, make software and do creative endeavors and all that kind of stuff. It was really good. Um and that's where I think a lot of people, you know, know me from. Um, but then on the design system front of things, like so, my career for the last like eight years uh, was working in design infrastructure. So not so much like design, but kind of like actually like taking code and turning it into design, and like more or the opposite of that. Okay, how, taking design. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some people do, and it's strange. Um, that's cool. But yeah, taking uh, taking designs and then turning them into code, and then more specifically, uh, uh, taking code and making it maintainable and like bringing it into a design system. So I think we'll talk about a lot of kind of like the specifics of that. I know that um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of nuance in the notion of like you know design systems, component libraries, you know what is what, where are the boundaries. I think we'll cover a lot of that probably today. But I do want to say like upfront, I'm definitely more in that section of like design infrastructure, right, where we're working with design to make sure that developers are you know productive with the tools that that they're given. Um, and so I know that there's a lot of terminology that we might use that I'm going to have like a lossy picture into because like I don't I don't have the full picture of like what that means for like the design side of things but kind of like that narrow band of like what it means when it turns into code um but yeah that's it I think the um I mean specifically the product that I worked on it was like a suite of products and um you know each team kind of worked independently so a lot of the things that I learned was really just like how to uh like the social part of like getting buy-in for a design system and like the diplomacy of making sure that everyone feels like their needs are met and uh, happy about the solution that you came up with and uh, getting buy-in, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, that's kind of my, my history. And then up till recently, uh, I mean, up in September, um, I joined Chromatic and Chromatic is the company that um, builds and maintains uh, Storybook, which is uh, probably what we're better known for. And uh, Storybook is a way to design, test, and develop uh, UIs. And it's really cool. And I'm excited to get a chance to talk more about it as a tool for doing all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Brittany, you work with Storybook, don't you? I do. We just transitioned to start working with Storybook. And I'm very much in that design system, like component library space right now. So I'm very excited for this talk. And I love your journey of like (laughs) the design infrastructure and how all of that works. I'm so fascinated by all of it. So cool. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to meet you both. This is really fun. You've been doing a great job with the show. And so I'm just excited to be here and chat with you and learn together. Well, same. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So you went over like a little bit about what Storybook is and Chromatic is. So let's talk about at what point you might need a design system and how big do you think that it has to be like a team of developers or do you think a single person could need a design system? At what point do you actually need to start thinking about that? Yeah. So that is a really interesting question. And um, 
honestly a question that I'm still kind of fleshing out. I don't have an answer for it. I'm going to just say up front. I really don't have an answer for it. Um, because that's actually one of my jobs um, at Chromatic is to try to figure out like what what those user journeys look like for people coming on to Storybook. Um, you know, we believe that like Storybook is the perfect environment. It's for front end developers. It's this front end workshop environment where you can bring your components in. You can like battle test them, make them like, you know, really robust and have a lot of confidence in knowing that that's going to be useful for you and your team, you know, long term and provide um, a really good framework for actually like continuing to develop that as your needs change, etc. Now, Right now, I'd say that Storybook and, you know, Chromatic, which provides like visual regression testing for Storybook, um, those are really geared right now for people with like design system teams, right? Maybe it's a small team. Maybe it's one person who's, you know, managing your design system. Maybe it's a huge team, like the teams that like uh, some of our customers are like BBC and and GitHub and Microsoft. Like we have a whole wall of, you know, big companies, Atlassian, who are using Storybook to build UIs. And they have gigantic teams dedicated to doing this type of work. Um, but something that I'm really passionate about is trying to make that less something where it's like, okay, well, we don't need that yet because we don't have a team for it. Um, because I don't think that's necessarily true, right? I feel like mm -hmm. our apps are kind of they just get bigger, right? They don't get different, right? There isn't like a point where it's like, oh, okay, well, now we need a design system, right? And I think that is something that I'd like to see that line shift a little bit because I think that like, you know, even if you're, so like my blog is on uh, 11D and right now it just uses this very, it's just like the stock template, like whatever the template for like a blog, like in 11D comes at, I think it's just black on white, basically, like it's very simple. I have done absolutely nothing to it. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. Like one, I could think like, oh, I, I will someday make a design system for my website, right? And that's one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is, is that I already have a design system. It's just not like an ideal one. It's just an implicit design system. And I think that if we can, uh, it's a little bit stoic, right? Like this idea of like, oh, I'm just going to accept what is. And if I accept what is, well, then I have, I do have a design system and that design system will evolve over time. And I think that's what I'm really excited um, to help people understand is like, no, don't think about this as an event right? Like we're going to get to, we're going to get to this thing. And then we have to cross that, that, that chasm later, like just cross it now and then just accept what you have and then continue to work and iterate and develop it over time. That's yeah. something that I've been talking about for a while is that your design system may not look like somebody else's design system and it may not be the same for everyone, but yeah. you probably have a design system just by having CSS in your site. Like you have some form of a design system. So they could be tiny one file or they could be like documentation style guide. Like it can encompass yeah. all of these things. So I love that viewpoint of like, it doesn't matter. Everybody kind of has a design system if you have a site. So I like that a lot. Yeah. And I imagine it's, it's, it's probably not dissimilar from, you know, the, the journey that you've taken, like in podcasting, right? Like, like every episode you learn a little bit more and you can do really well to just admit the phase that you're at. And I, I like, I'm doing this right now. I'm like building up a show for, for storybook, um, an interview style show. And I can just admit like, this is the best that I can do right now. Like, this is what the show looks like. Um, and accept that. And like, know that next time I'm going to make it a little bit better. Um, or I can just, you know, kind of pretend like, 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 oh, it's not there yet. Like, I'm not at the point where I like really need to think about like having a strategy for all this kind of stuff. Because I do have a strategy It's just in my head. And it's completely dependent on me. And the sooner that I can get that out, no matter what shape it looks like, uh, the sooner I can like collaborate with people and like garner feedback and have them actually invite them to collaborate in that process. And it's so funny because it's just, it's really just a human thing, right? Like it's an embarrassment thing. It's like, if you can just like get over that, um, you know, I think that we, we'd all be a lot better off just being like, you know what, this is, this is exactly who I am. And I, I know that I'm going to get better. I want to get better, but this is where I am today. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, 
I, I've helped like try to implement design systems. So I'm kind of curious from your experience, um, especially like you have to like go through this with Storybook all the time, but you kind of get into a corporation and like when you go to implement a design system, both code and like visual uh, aspects to it, it's it's kind of difficult to get everyone on the same page and like yeah. say developers are like, no, 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 we need X things. Like we're using this library. Uh, mm -hmm. How do we implement that? And then the designers are like, we want it to look just like this. Like <laughs> we have all these absolute position things in Figma and I want that pixel like that. And it's like back and forth you go. And so I'm curious from your experience um, from, from seeing this kind of out, what does, what does that look like typically? Like, have you seen successes hopefully? <laughs> oh, it is so like everything that you talked about is like so difficult. Right. And I think that one of the, it, one of the things that's especially, especially, especially <laughs> challenging on speaking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that's especially challenging is, is that as soon as you, and so this is kind of like a counterpoint to what I just said, right. Which is the, like, you already have a design system. It's an implicit design system, but just accept it. Mm -hmm. The counterpoint to that is like, as soon as you put a name on it, as soon as you kind of say like, this is something that we care about and that we're going to do and we're going to progress on, you will notice that everyone at your company has a very strong opinion about how that thing should be. And that is really kind of the um, hard work of, you know, design systems, component libraries, et cetera, is, is that like, I swear, like people come out of the woodwork with strong opinions about like how this thing should be. And those things range from, you know, you have the, you know, you have the designer that wants it to look a certain way. You know, uh, an example of that is that we had these, these buttons and they were the, kind of this gradient, but one of them was a, a, an outline gradient. It saw the same gradient, but it was just the outline. And that button was like impossible to make predictably across browsers. <laughs> and like, I was like, can we just, get rid of it it's like two it's like a two pixel gradient like we it, it, we can't make it look good everywhere can we just make that one like a solid color and like and absolutely not it was like a hard requirement even if it was like really hard to develop around that's fine but then you have like you know people like once the ceo gets wind of the fact that you have a design system now they want that to be some fully fleshed out beautiful attractive thing that they can use to you know bring more people into uh into your company um it's like it, it's it's wild like how uh long the arms for like design system opinions are throughout a company and i think it's just you know it's just part of the process and you have to get really good at like diplomatically saying that's not where we're at right now um uh, you know we hope to be there is there a piece of this idea that we could incorporate now to you know give you that sense of satisfaction like we're moving in the right direction um but yeah it's it's honestly a lot of diplomacy <laughs> yeah i feel like you can't have like a single like if developers own it that's bad if marketing owns it that's yeah. bad they have to come together and like own this thing as a whole so it's kind of challenging so diplomacy yeah. is key <laughs> it's part of the brand and we all have to work together to develop this thing into something you can't just have these strong opinions and unfortunately there has to be a team that like develops it so you have to like work together with those designers and developers making the thing yes to make it available to everyone yeah i love that I, I love that you called that out that this is something that belongs to everyone because i think that this is something that people don't understand when they go into the process they think mm -hmm. like i'm gonna make a design system for our company right you know whether that be a designer or developer and um someone who's been doing great work communicating all the boundaries of this is brad frost i really love brad um because I think he embodies a lot of these kind of stoic ideas of like, hey, what this design system is meant to be is a representation of your company. And that's top to bottom. That's left to right. Like it is a representation of who you are right now. And we want to make that, you know, adaptable in a way. But if that's true, like it needs to represent everyone and there's going to be some push and pull. And like all of these, um, you know, he tackles it from a, a, a position of organizational health right? This design system can only be as healthy as your company is. Um, and it's going to 
it's going to painfully bring up all of these things that are difficult for you. And you have to accept that if you want to like embrace this challenge. (laughs) It also needs to be maintainable and it may not need to be to start out. It may not be where you can make changes to it easily over Mm -hmm. time and like make a whole new design system. So our company went from using Svelte to going to React and Storybook. And so we're actually having to rewrite all of our things. We didn't make it so that it was like reusable. Mm -hmm. So, but I think you do have to make it maintainable where you can actually just keep at it and keep making small incremental changes and make it better and make it just, like I said, maintainable. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that one of the first things that you need to establish when embarking on the journey of a design system is how people provide feedback and kind of like how they can get involved. And I think that that, you know, it's, it, it's every part of the company, but then also how decisions are made, right? Who makes the decisions, right? Because, you know, you're going to garner all that feedback and everyone's going to feel like, oh, hey, like I, like I, I gave this feedback and then the next version isn't going to represent any of that. And so how do you talk to those people like, hey, we, we did hear you. We agree with you. But like, that's not now. Um, that is like time is something that none of us are good at accepting. <laughs> how do you suggest getting that feedback? Because that's a good point. Like we moved to Storybook and we have like the homepage. So it, do you put something on the homepage like contact us here? Or what's a good way yeah. to get feedback from your users and consumers of your design system? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, um, you know, having that contact is already like a really great uh, a really great start right at the beginning saying like, hey, these are the people who lead this effort. If you have questions or you know thoughts or whatever, get in contact with them. This is how they how they do that. Um, I think that having different um, forms, you could use like a type form for this or, or whatnot for like different types of concerns, right? So if you have like a design concern, like you can kind of go through this checklist or you have a um, uh, you know, a de- development interface like concern, you can go through this checklist or, you know, maybe it's just there's a bug in production and, you know, someone identifies that this thing doesn't actually work the way that it's supposed to. Um, those are always a little bit tricky because sometimes, you know, there's that handoff to the, you know, product team and maybe they did something funky with it and, you know, it's not being used the way that it's supposed to. But that's also part of your design system, right? Like it's all very... It's squishy. (laughs) Yes. And I feel like there's so many channels, especially in large enterprise corporations where you have like Slack and you have Jira and you have all these different things. It's like, where do you put your legitimate concerns? And like, I think it's like got to be front facing on where you're hosting your design system. And we're actually talking about chromatic a little bit at work and trying to move over to chromatic. So what are some of the benefits, I guess, of hosting on chromatic? Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, oh right there just to, to pay the bills real real quick. And we'll oh, you want to do an ad break? Okay. Okay, we'll be right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by Builder.io, visually building the web. Builder.io has one of the most powerful visual editors in the industry. Unlike other tools, Builder actually produces the code for you. You don't have to completely switch out your framework either. Just use one of the handy SDKs that are available. There's no limits to what you can build. Instead of limiting your marketing team, start to optimize and let them do the work. This will allow your web developers to get back to the hard work that it takes for other components, allowing your team to do A-B testing and personalization. Stop worrying about bugs in production. Just use the site as it is, then you can analyze and start converting all of your customers with Builder's built-in heat maps. Stop limiting your growth with developers' long lead times. Start building, optimizing, analyzing, and start growing faster. Don't take my word for it. You can sign up for free today and start building the web visually with Builder.io. No worries on that. I get so distracted by things and I hear things or I say things and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of a question. Let's just say the question. (laughs) (laughs) And I just jump right to it. So we were talking a little bit about um, how we maintain and get feedback on our design systems. And now we were going to talk about chromatic a little bit and see what the benefits are of that. Yeah. So it's funny to me. uh, (laughs) I'm going to say like, I I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it just because, you know, it's, you know, it's me and I'm going to be honest, but like I didn't get storybook for the longest time. 
Like I yeah. saw it and I was like, oh, that's cute. Like a, a I'm glad place. it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> See, we've got some relatable content right here. Um, the I didn't get it. Right. Like I saw the demos and I was like, oh, that's super cute. Like you can, you know, make a gallery of, you know, your your, your components. Um, I was doing that anyway, just, you know, like with a, you know, tiny little app where I was just importing and spitting out the components and and uh, whatnot. And it, it's funny because I feel like a lot of people see it the same way that I did. And I feel like the thing that was like the really huge unlock for me was chromatic. And then I backed into really seeing like a lot of the values of what Storybook was giving me. Um, and so kind of what is Chromatic and why is it valuable to teams? Well, Chromatic is a lot of things, but like first and foremost is it's a really great way to like host your um, your Storybook. So if you have Storybook, if you host it on Chromatic, you actually get, um, because it's coming from the Chromatic domain, you actually get embeds. Um, which is really cool. So you can embed uh, individual stories, um, all kinds of things into other things like your Notion documents, et cetera. So it's a really great way to um, share stories from Storybook. So that's one thing that's nice. Um, but the real value is, is that it takes all of your stories and it does snapshot uh, testing. And it'll do like a whole like visual diff. There's a whole uh, edit, uh, visualization in the browser to see these visual diffs so like every time you push code um you'll get like a little like yellow indicator in your you know green red or yellow indicator inside of you know your git provider and see like oh okay like well nothing nothing visual changed inside of in, in all of these components so i changed a lot of code but as far as everything that we've tested visually everything's still the same um you know, or you could get something where it's like, oh, okay, we changed a font, and now all of our, all of our uh, UIs are like a handful of pixels larger. But other than that, they look all the same, so we'll approve those, and kind of like that's new, the new like baseline, etc. So that's the visual regression testing. Is that what that is? Yep, yep, that's the uh, visual regression testing um, component of that. And you have uh, what is it? Um, I think we test in all of the major browsers. So, you know, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, and then I think Internet Explorer 11, if you're in the unfortunate <laughs> position of having to support Internet Explorer 11. I am. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we have something for you. <laughs> so when we when we talk about, like, using this in, like, a CI model, can mm -hmm. I imagine, like, putting this in my GitHub workflow and, like, it kicks off? chromatic and like every time it kind of references back like how do you see the visual changes yeah yeah so it's super great it's um yeah it's, it's part of your ci workflow and so it's gonna kind of it's gonna kick off um chromatic running for the um the commit that you're you're on it's gonna run a build for that and compare it to the previous like accepted baseline and um if nothing visually changed uh you're just gonna get a green thumbs up and you can merge um, and then if something did change, it's going to say, hey, there were some uh, visual changes. I don't know. Like, let's say there were like two things we picked up mm -hmm. um, and you're going to have to accept these changes. And so then it kicks you off to the UI. It'll show you like this is what changed. It'll show the it shows the code and the visualization. And then you can accept that in the UI to then model like a new a new baseline for the next version. Um, and yeah, I just find this so valuable because it saves it saves so much um, effort. And again, kind of back to that idea of like implicit processes or like implicit systems, it makes that an explicit system where now, you know, whereas I was kind of like fiddling at the edges of my screen and kind of like, you know, you know, pawing at it to like click this button and see if it did that thing or like whatever and testing it across these handful of browsers while well, I was doing that manually and that's always a lossy process right um <laughs> now chromatic is able to do that for me it's going to run all those processes that I um was going to do manually in a lossy way and do that for me in a predictable way that is shareable and then also is informative right when someone else starts to come online to the code base like they don't know all of the all the caveats and weird things that happen as a result of them changing an interface on this component. And so to see that happen, it's like, Oh, okay. Like this is like a bigger thing than I thought it was. And I have to like consider the ramifications of on the design system of this one tiny change that I'm responsible for making. 
That makes sense. And something that you mentioned a minute ago about being able to share your stories with Chromatic, um, we use zero height at mm-hmm. work. And I was wondering if like, how would that work with zero height? Are you just able to plop your story in there and it shares the entire like documentation of the story or what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I'm not super familiar with zero height, um, but I knew that I know that um, that is something that we as a team try to support zero height is a little bit more on the, if I understand, like on the continuum on the kind of like designer side of things, right? Exactly. Yeah. Our designers cool. use zero height for their documentation. Okay, cool. Perfect. Yeah. I think that that is, that would be like a really great place to kind of incorporate the, um, the embeds from chromatic. Cause then you can just like copy those over. And I do think, I, th- I think there might be a deeper integration, but I can't speak to that. Um, okay. But I could I could send you a link. I could do some research and send you a link later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was just wondering about that because that's something that we're trying to do is to provide a single place for the design system to live. Yeah. And but we want to integrate all of these different things. And so now that we're using Storybook, we want to be able to put that into zero height and just mm-hmm. have that available there for developers to go to that. But just wanted to, that's kind of an aside. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that that actually brings up a really interesting question. And I think that uh, it, there's a, a tension here between like the design side and the development side that is something that has to get figured out at pretty much every company, which is the the um, the Git problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, there's like there's a really steep cliff around uh, Storybook right now, where you get all these benefits, like it's a, it's a real power. Once you like accept Git, right? There's a lot of things that you can do. Like you can't get this visual regression testing without some kind of, you know, commit and version control management, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, like doing uh, like documentation and kind of you know, that kind of stuff in Git is kind of a pain. Like it's a pain for us developers, but like it's also, I mean, it's a, huge pain for everyone else in the company right and there is something that you know we're continuing to try to figure out is like how do we incorporate more people into that process right like how do we get more pms into the process how do we get more uh, like managers how do we get more support folk into the process of actually making this stuff better because if it's git that's a that that ostracizes like a lot of our company just out of the gate. Yeah. But if it's something like zero height where you can contribute to it with a little less, you know, friction, still have those approval processes, but, like a little less friction, like that's like that's really nice too. So like finding that boundary is really key. I think it's having that like WYSIWYG editor and like the GUIs that other people that like aren't development centered need. Mm-hmm to make that documentation and things. So having something like that integrated in Storybook is very interesting to me. Um, If that might be like in the future, that could be really cool. But you brought up something else too, with like the divide between the designers and the developers and Mm -hmm. how we can like bring everyone together to be a part of the same team. And that um, led me to the design token question I have yeah. and how important are design tokens and how can we get to a place to where we can use design tokens to have the same thing across all of our tooling? Yeah, that's a big one. That's not that like was a, a lot. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what was the other product that we just did an interview where they're trying to do this too? I can't even remember. Uh, I'll look it up. Backlight? Backlight. That's what Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of an interesting thing that's occurring right now between like that design development space. They just made a Figma plugin. And that was one of the things I just watched a thing yesterday. They have a Figma plugin now that will pull style dictionary tokens into Figma. Uh-huh. But I'm like, I'm really in this headspace right now with design tokens because I'm doing a talk next week. And so I want. Nice. Something that will be universal and completely platform agnostic and not have to use. I mean, maybe the style dictionary tokens are fine and what it generates is fine. But having to have a plugin in Figma, maybe it works in Sketch, maybe it doesn't. But it's not. I want something platform agnostic. <laughs> yeah. And that's if I so I have um, feelings maybe about the uh, <laughs> about tokens. Uh, mostly because I find them a little bit um, confusing. It's almost like okay. a 
like a um what are those like an ink blot test like you know you say design tokens and then you know five of five people have a different idea of like what that actually means um and so um i'd be curious to know so so you mentioned uh uh like an agnostic tool for maintaining your design tokens. I'd be curious, like when you think about that, like who are the consumers of, uh, of these design tokens? It's like everyone across the company from, you know, like people doing like print media to like online media to, you know, uh, you know, UI stuff on native and web. Exactly. So we're all calling like the colors, the same color names using Mm -hmm. the same scales for spacing for, um, fonts yeah like we're all naming the same thing so we have like typography stuff that's like headline display you're gonna call your biggest headline headline display and so what we use is a json object Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of tokens and then style dictionary translates that out into different development platforms but you need like plugins in figma to translate that into what figma can understand yeah i do know that there are some efforts like one of the things that's kind of challenging for um you know storybook and chromatic right now is that you know a lot of people don't know this but we're a team of i think maybe uh today 22 people but like last week 20 wow. <laughs> so a really small it's team small, yeah yeah really small team and i so, thought you guys were much bigger that's crazy <laughs> no yeah 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 so it's just it's just 20 of us um or 22 um and i it, it's funny because like <laughs> all of us have come in with um, some kind of idea of like, oh my gosh, like this would be like the perfect thing. So like, you know, I have a, I have a friend on the, the DX team who is really passionate about like DX tokens. And it's like, eventually we will like, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I said DX tokens, just tokens. Um, <laughs> passionate about getting like tokens into like storybook proper and like, you know, figuring that out. But it's so funny because like the, the ecosystem is so wide, right? And so it's like, you kind of have to, you know, you have to make some decisions about like, you know, what kind of like, are, like, are we supporting the uh, oh crap? Now I can't remember. What's the thing that does the tokens to the code? Style dictionary. Style dictionary. Yeah. Like, do we double down on style dictionary or do we like now open this window to like the, you know, the, the 15 different standards that we could possibly right. use? And like, yeah. how do we do that? Who maintains that? It's, <laughs> it's, it's super wild. <laughs> and then you also do, like, you have to have a package and a build step yeah. that does yeah. that. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, um, it is interesting. And I think that, uh, we're, we're super excited about how to, how to get there. And, uh, we're, you know, I guess this is like a decent pitch, right? Like if you, if, if you're passionate about that and you want to join the team and like actually make it happen, like we're, we're, we're looking for people. <laughs> um, the, it's really interesting to me that the, I might get philosophical here for a second, so I apologize in <laughs> totally advance. I, I have a tendency to just go way too far and like talk about like you know timelessness or whatever. Um, <laughs> the one thing that's really challenging about tokens is I think something that's like inherently challenging about just design systems in general, right? Is is that you know tokens at their best are a way to be completely agnostic of any one process and say like these are the the colors that we as a company use across all of our systems now that's actually a really uh a really beautiful thing when it's properly when the concentric circles are set up correctly um because what what happens at least in the design or the token libraries that I've seen is that every platform has this way of like pushing up the concerns of that platform into the tokens to the point where you have these long strings of tokens. that are like platform specific. Does that make sense? Sort of. Yeah. That's interesting though, because it should be the other way around. Like the token should be the source of truth, almost subatomic particle to the design system. Right. Yes. I totally agree. And, and it's a, it's, it's like a, um, it's like a social battle, right? Like, like (laughs) there's something really challenging. And again, I I feel like one of the big themes about design systems here is like setting up those boundaries. Um, Because I think that, 
one thing that's challenging is, is that we want one tool that like just manages all of our tokens and we can get tokens, you know, from every, you know, no matter where we're at, like get those exact values. Mm-hmm. However, like print media has like totally different constraints about like what, what um, kind of related colors are going to get used or like how they fudge those colors in certain environments to make sure that they actually look like the color that, that, that they want it to look like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like video, you know, with like compression, all that stuff, you know, we have, we have uh, like fake colors that we use to like post compression look like the color that we want it to look like. <laughs> um, and so it's interesting because, you know, like I've taken like token courses you know, or like courses that include like tokens before. And there's this, this, um, I think notion that you just kind of express everything that's possible and then like have these like, you know, just these gigantic, you know, thousand token, you know, things and like you can get any piece from any piece everywhere. I just don't think that that actually makes sense. I feel like everyone, you know, it's concentric circles. You're going to have this absolute shared pool at the center. And then like, as you move out, you're going to have like, I mean, I guess it's not even that's the, yeah, that's the part that's confusing to me. I don't, I don't, I haven't I don't think that we've figured it out yet in the way that it needs to be figured out to truly be provide like an agnostic tool across the I hadn't really thought of it in that way either because it, like you said each team might have a specific use case and maybe the design tokens don't own that maybe they can opt out of like yeah API at that point and mm-hmm. like do their own thing but I feel like it makes it more maintainable for your design yeah. system over time if you change like a brand color just a little shade it propagates yes. out to all the things you need yeah yeah no I totally agree and I think that it takes a lot of discipline to figure out where those lines are and be honest with yourself about like you know this like everybody needs the brand color and like the the uh, contrast color, right? But all of us have different needs for like like nobody else needs to care that like the danger alert background color on black <laughs> is this color, <laughs> right? Like we're the only people that care about that, um, and so that is part of the conversation I think that I haven't seen yet is the uh, being honest about. Um, like dividing that problem up a little bit instead of just like making it one problem for everybody. Um, Kind of admitting like these, we're all going to have our hacks to, or or, or adjustments. I'm not going to call them hacks, adjustments um, that we need to make for our platforms and um, acknowledging that that's just kind of like part of the, part of the system. And that's not a breakage. That's just, reality <laughs> you know like yeah. things look different when printed and put in the sun than they do you know post compression on twitch and which is different than you know how they look in the uh, the web browser uh, even right now i have two displays and one of them uses a different co- color profile so like you know this twitch stream looks completely different on like just two inches away on this side than it does over here so yeah. um yeah i think there's a lot of there's a lot of hard constraints that um kind of the idealism of like what tokens could provide doesn't really acknowledge yet but i'd love to see like more like nitty gritty like hard facts on like how to start breaking that up (laughs) i love that conversation but let's look at it as a bigger picture so how do you suggest maintaining a design system over time then yeah over time um, so I'm huge into this concept. I mean, if it if it's not kind of evident from this this part of it already, um, the, the this concept of subsidiarity. Um, there's this great episode of uh, Hope and Source, Hope and Source, uh, with Nadia Eggball, and uh-huh. I, I think I, I, I hope she wrote I didn't the book her. that I just picked like a few weeks ago, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. That book's exceptional. Yes. I, absolutely recommend it like just ignore my pick later because like (laughs) just go read that book um the yeah um exceptional she's she's wonderful and then um henry zoo who's the kind of like lead maintainer of of Babel and that project they have an episode called uh 
I think it's like open sources liturgy or something. Yes. Yeah. So that's the podcast. And if you Google that podcast and liturgy, you'll come across this episode. Um, this episode is fascinating. And they talk about the concept of subsidiary subsidiarity. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even say the word, um, but it's this idea. It, it, it's a governance concept. And it's the idea that people at the edges um, local governments should have like the most control of like local economies and like local decision making and whatnot. And I think that that is very true for a healthy organization. You know, someone who's able to like maintain a design system is being able to like put the put those concepts or put put the power to adapt those core concepts at the edge. You know where they have the most expertise, where they know exactly you know, exactly what's going to happen. You know, so like again, like this compression thing. Like, why does a UI designer need to worry that like compression is going to like change the color on our Twitch stream? Like, they don't. The only people that need to worry about that is the you know marketing and the marketing team who's like actually like helping to like produce the the Twitch stream, and so that team shouldn't feel vilified for using a different hex code. Like when they have the knowledge of knowing like, well, it doesn't actually look like, like the the thing that we're trying to achieve is consistency, not using the right hex code. And I think that that like, it's not like, it's different from siloing, right? Because there is kind of this idea of like, Oh, okay. Well, we set up our pillars and then like nobody communicates to everything because that's what a design system is supposed to, um, like provide an umbrella over right like we all communicate like we all have a similar goal and so we're all trying to communicate but like you still have to have that edge control to say like i i know what the 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 principle is i know what the intent is and that's what we're trying to capture by uh breaking this absolute rule of you know this this exact value um it's and it, and those conversations are super hard. Like it requires a lot of trust and a lot of trust that like most organizations just aren't capable of having of each other. Cause it's a lot easier to just be like, Oh, Hey, I saw that you're using, um, you know, this hex code. That's the wrong hex code. You're like, yeah. I know that's the wrong hex code. Like in the absolute sense, that's the wrong hex code. But like, like I can't explain to you why it is the right one in the absolute, like in, in principle. Um, so yeah, it's like it requires a lot of trust. And I feel like trust is like if if you can't find trust in your organization, like just embrace the decay. Like you're not gonna get better at <laughs> like the design system is not gonna solve it for you. Yeah, it's so like whoa, my mind just kind of blew up a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's kind of like hopeless or like nihilist about like this whole process. But I think that's my experience is like, you know, this, and I kind of said this at the beginning, like building a design system that's actually usable by the experts on your team is going to put trust like front and center. And if like, you're not willing to kind of like make those like surgical cuts and then heal as an organization, it's just not going to happen, right? Like it's just going to, like you're just going to bleed out, right? <laughs> because it requires both the, like, like the violent act of cutting, but then also the, like the long-term act of healing. And a lot of people are like very content to cut, but then really don't want to do the work of like healing and making sure that like that, that, that trust and like everything grows back, back stronger. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are lots of decisions that go into it. And then lots of people that are like making those decisions like reality. And so it goes back to like who owns the design system. Everyone owns it, but you yeah. all have to be a part of it and make the decisions that are going to benef- benefit the entire company. Yeah. yeah. Who's who's maintaining more or less, not necessarily owning like each portion and piece. It's kind of interesting in, in the like the agile space, there's this, um, framework called safe or scale Mm -hmm. sorry um and like i keep wrapping my head around does there need to be a thing for like design systems that like has all these thoughts and patterns laid out and like instead of a pm kind of starting to become an agile master and like learns uh scaled 
like i wonder if there's like this niche area that like needs to occur and like create this thing because there's so many design systems that just when you said agile and scale and safe it reminded me of that episode we did safe is scrum and (laughs) (laughs) it was very confusing to me at the time Uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking like I've I've been through a lot of like branding and like design system creation mm-hmm. that just fail because mm-hmm. like at the end of the day you have deadlines, right? And like you're trying to get everything kind of lined up and like everyone needs to agree. Yep. And then like you actually need to create the thing and that needs to go well. And then yeah. you need like all the architecture that surrounds that yeah. with like what components are we going to use as mm-hmm. a framework we're going to use like from a from a developer side like that side of it and it's like all this is occurring and oh by the way we need it in a month it's like yeah i think <laughs> yeah. that we're doing it kind of interesting at granger where we have a core engineering team that any component that is shared by all the teams across the organization is owned by core And Mm. so core creates these kind of foundational components that we push out to consumers and the consumers are able to kind of build their UIs that may Mm. not have something that touches someone else's with our components that are shared. So there's consistency. I'm curious, are you sharing that like NPM style or like through bid or what's that? Um, We do an NPM package Okay. and it's through AWS something. I don't know the details about that. So you're kind of versioning out like that core piece and like trying not to break things as you do it. Exactly. Yeah. We do like Simver versioning of our design system and push it out. That's nice. Versioning is something that we could dedicate a whole show to. Yes, absolutely. I would have you back (laughs) to talk about that. Yeah, come back on. We'll talk. And I actually want to do like an entire storybook demo of like maybe the coding cat site and getting storybook set up. So maybe we can schedule a live stream to do that because I have some storybook questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Me too. I'm 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 learning with everybody else. Uh, We have a at at Chromatic. We have um, something called Empathy Day where you. Um, each of us takes a day on the rotation for um, supporting customers and it's it's wild like I'll be honest like I don't love it (laughs) but every day I'm like I had no idea that Storybook did this right like I and like learning from our customers is like super fun that is such a great point like having empathy for your users is the biggest piece of designing a design system or like developing a design system like you have to have that empathy for the people that are using it and realize what their pain points are to make it better yeah that is that's a really great call out because i think that in design system work i think this is i mean i think this is any product i've seen so many product teams adopt this mindset of like well they're doing it wrong like they're using it wrong and like yeah that might be true but like i (laughs) I feel like anytime you're in product, you kind of just have to embrace the fact that like there is no wrong. Like you, you have created a space where someone has done something a certain way and that is just as right as anything else. Right. And so you can like vilify your customers for being creative in a certain way or like vilify, you know, your design system, you know, component library consumers for, um, you know, what, just trying to get work done. (laughs) Right. Um, but like at the end of the day, it's like if if you create a system that allows for those types of things, like that is the system, right? It's an implicit system, but you know, it's what you made and you have to like you have to figure out how to like circumvent that. And like, you know, so much of it is just acknowledging what it is and then kind of figuring out, okay, how do we uh carefully acknowledge that this is possible and try to reduce that over time? And Mm -hmm. it's tough because you really can't like you can't just say like, nope, that's wrong. Don't use it that way, because that person is going to be like, okay, well, I just I'm just going to build my own. Like the next time that I have this problem, I'm going to build my own. I'm not going to just going to opt out like, yeah, yeah, I I opt out like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious. um, I feel like the piece that you just talked about and like the whole tying it together and things like that, that's where chromatic comes in. Right. Like that's. That's the attempt of getting UI feedback, testing, documentation, like locking that in, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that there's there's an area. And so I think Storybook broadly, something that I, 
uh, hope to communicate over the next like you know year or so is I think Storybook has historically been used as a component gallery to document the ideal states of components. Now, when I was building like our design system at my last job, the goal for me was a little bit more stoic in that I wanted to I wanted to document everything, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, because that is the that is the truth of our thing, right? Someone has a really long name, like like put that in there. That's like and, and and it like word wraps in a really irritating way. Like that, like put that in there. That that is an important case that we need to like document. And it has there's this idea that I have. It's it, I don't know. It's kind of stupid, but like um, as UI developers, we have this really unique position where when we test something, there are a certain number of soft exceptions that we allow for the time being and we'll like get to. And that we have to acknowledge is just like part of part of the reality of like building a design system. Like it's not going to be perfect. And so we're like moving towards it. And my belief is, is that you should document those, right? And then we have a unique privilege to do so. Like you can't just like, if you have a unit test suite, how do you put in there like, oh, I like allow that i mean i guess you can but like this idea of like i allow this exception momentarily but eventually it's going to change and be better like it's not really part of that pattern but in ui you can just be like hey here's the good bad and ugly of this component like we recognize that it's not perfect and we're gonna we're gonna get there um but we're gonna do it over time and like i really like that idea of like just not being precious with your components like just let them speak for themselves. Like, set them free. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. What did um, you say, Brittany? Sorry. The, just, I, I said I love that idea of, like, documenting everything and, like, making sure. I feel like I've repeated so many things over my job because I didn't document something very well. Mm -hmm. And then you just have to go and you have to, like, explain it to the next person and the next person and the next person or have another meeting because you didn't just put it somewhere and document it. And so I'm trying to get like, we even like had retros where we're just trying to figure out where we're going to put all of these comments and things so we can yeah. circle back. And so we have a thing now where if you have a conversation in Slack, you need to link to Jira and then link back to the Slack conversation. Yes. So it's a circle. Yeah. And you always know where the conversation happened. Close the yeah. loop. Yeah. And I think that that is yeah. like a really nice thing about like what chromatic provides for you is, is that, there is still that human element where I have to accept the, I have to accept the baseline. Right. And that's like an interesting thing that happens is, is that I'm going to put that ugly state in there knowing that it's like not ideal, but I'm accepted as the baseline. But then eventually, like when we change it, I'll be able to see it kind of like have that prettier effect where it like snaps into place. Right. I love when prettier works. And then when yes. it doesn't, you're like, what is wrong with you? What I do, what I do. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, being able to like kind of set those, 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 those soft exceptions up and then over time seeing them kind of like come into that ideal state is is a really powerful thing that i'm hoping to like share with more people over the next year cool well i think that's a, a good cue we're running up on time so um let's dive into our perfect picks <laughs> well Brittany's telling me my sound's off i don't know i don't know is that better yeah okay um so i'm gonna put you on the spot yeah and you can go first on your shape up. yeah so this is uh one way oh cool oh, I, I don't have to hold it nice no, perfect. You can. either way <laughs> no it's great you got the you got the site up there and everything um so i have my entire career been a huge fan of ryan singer and the way that he thinks about um ui design but then also kind of like building uis with teams and uh, this book is a culmination of kind of some of the best advice that he's been delivering over the you know past two decades. Um, and so I really like this book. I think that um, you're going to, if you're trying to find tactics and tools for um, developing progressively um, and kind of acknowledging what is and like working together as a team to like find that one piece that's going to lock the next piece and you know whatnot. Uh, I think that there's some really great strategies in this book and more than that, like some really great language that you can use to communicate with each other. Um, so I see this as like a really uh, a, a cheat code for um, uh, 
I mean, all, all manner of UI design, but I think it's it's kind of like part of the literature canon for building design systems in my mind. Ooh, the literature canon. I like that. <laughs> cool. Uh, Brittany, your next pick. Yeah. So I threw this in there. If you scroll down a little bit, there's a video with our guest, Michael Chan. Oh, what is happening? Oh, no. Is this supposed to be it? It was thing? working for me. I don't know what happened. But ad blocker, maybe? I don't have ad blocker. I don't know. Oh, weird. Something. What is happening in that? Any? It's like a browser. I don't know. It was a... working in mine. So I'm going to go and get the link and throw it in so we can actually get the YouTube link there. <laughs> um, so this is the storybook, the new storybook Um Live stream podcast. What are you calling it? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So we have this. Um, so we have a YouTube channel for Storybook. It's uh, YouTube.com/c/storybookjs, I think. Um, and then we have a playlist in there uh, called Storytime with Chantastic. And uh, I'm interviewing people about, um, you know, about uh, it, you know, uh, consultants and big companies, um, talking about how they. Uh, you know, build their design systems and story time uh, was fantastic. That was what I was looking yeah. for. I didn't see the name <laughs> on it. I threw the link in the private chat. So if you want to open up that YouTube link, that's the video that's not working on the site. Cool. So that's okay, Brad cool. Frost's site, and it has this link to this video that um, Michael did with Brad, and it was fantastic and had lots of good oh, tips about design <laughs> systems in it. So. That is a very good thing to go and see. And then the blog post that Brad wrote as well is also good. And you can move on to my next pick now, which is also another Brad Frost thing. Yes. So Are you going to ask something about that? You look like you're going to talk. No, I was just going to say I love the visuals on the start of that video. That's oh, fun. thanks. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. And you've went on to the next one. Yeah, Atomic right. Design is the book by... This looks like the blog post, though. This isn't like the actual book. So Atomic Design is the book by Brad Frost. There's the link that was supposed to work before. Hmm. So I don't know what is happening with the site right now, but um, Atomic Design is a book by Brad Frost that goes over like these methodologies that you can use to kind of build design systems. And if you scroll down just a little bit more, there's Ooh. the diagram. Um, you've got atoms, molecules, organisms, templates, and pages that kind of break down your design system. And I just, I thought it was a great book of like the foundational things for building design systems. That's awesome. So I love atomic design and uh, I'm just going to like perfect pick my own thing here. <laughs> so I, I threw this out there uh, a couple years ago now. I'm sure the date's wrong. I was like, that. stencil? When did you use stencil? Yeah, it's, it's like probably 2019, <laughs> even though the dates are all off on our site right now. Um, but if you break this down, like I, I tried to break it down as small as possible with web components um, and then build those up. It's such a like better way of thinking mm -hmm. on how to do atomic design in code. Like if you're a developer trying to yeah. attack this, like attack it this way. I'm sure designers have their whole like Figma component like type thing, but this is a cool way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. The second pick I have um, comes from Free Code Camp, and it's how to create and implement a design system with CSS. It kind of blew my mind when I read through this one. I just I can never get over how much you can use CSS to like do so much especially okay. like i was like is this kevin powell's course and then i saw the author was the other person oh. from free code camp and i was like that's not who did the course because this right. is kevin powell's course and i watched this as well and it's pretty awesome yeah i think the actual course is called out somewhere too but yeah there's there's a whole course on it. go out to uh, lastly, for me, uh, Airbnb blows my mind to this day. Like this place that you just need to go stay at places is the best like design. I don't know, like company <laughs> that like is out there. They they throw around so much design stuff. It blows my yeah. mind between like Lati files and like all of their design branding. Like they have just blog after blog. But I just picked one um, to go through kind of design systems and what to look for and how to like all the stuff we talked about, how to manage it and like deal with it within uh, systems and companies. So definitely check out Airbnb. I piggyback on that 
real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, there was a talk. I I probably won't be able to find it, but maybe I can send it to you a little bit later. Um, a, a sufficient Googling, like my, I'll give you the terms. So at ReactConf in I think twenty uh nine or twenty nineteen or twenty yeah twenty nineteen, there was a talk by folks at Airbnb that talked about their design system and how they had created it. Uh, kind of in isolation and how it totally fell prey to that problem that we talked about where everyone just kind of like opted out um, and then rebuilding the design system, rebuilding that trust. Um, they, they talk about all that stuff and it is really fascinating, especially when you think about like kind of from the perspective of like Airbnb being like a really great like design organization. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just wanted to kind of like piggyback on yours because it, it, it's a, an extremely worthwhile talk. If you, you know, stuck around to the end here, uh, I feel like you'd be interested. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to go hunt that down and we'll put that in the show notes later. Nice. Well, again, thank you so much, Michael, for coming out or should I call it Chantastic? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It all, it all goes. (laughs) Thanks thanks so much uh, for coming on chatting all about design systems and we'd love to have you back. It sounds like to do a little live something with Storybook. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so fun or versioning. I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Very cool. All right. Well, Well, thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for having me. Later.